and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney, the mama bird here and CEO. So I have with me a speaker that I heard recently and I was really sitting in the audience in awe fangirling a little bit. And I ordered the book, but let me just tell you, this speech really struck me and you're really going to enjoy this guest today. Ryan Jenkins, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this conversation. Well, I just need to learn more. So I'm just going to like make you unload this whole conversation and unpack it again. But if you haven't heard of Ryan Jenkins, he is Wall Street Journal bestselling leadership author of Connectable, How Leaders Can Move Teams from Isolated to All In. I mean, with that title, I'm all in already. So he is an internationally acclaimed keynote speaker on these topics of team connection, belonging, looking at generational differences through a different lens and really evaluating the future of work. And he's also a partner at workrivet.com. And I'll put that link in the show notes so you can check it out. But it was such a genuine conversation, such a wonderful, just a presentation of kind of the state of the union of where we're at with work and where we need to be. And how do we bridge this gap that some of us are really feeling and really need to get reconnected. So Ryan, let's start with that. Tell us about like why you wrote this book. What kind of got you set on this journey? I'd been studying generations for about a decade. And my kind of overarching topic is the future of work. And so I was helping organizations understand the future of work by understanding the evolving differences across generations. And I was writing a book about Gen Z, the youngest generation entering the workforce. And it was in writing that book that I discovered that they're the most lonely and isolated generation we've ever seen. So much so where they're more isolated and lonely than our elderly population. And it's the first time we've seen this major imbalance. And if you can believe it, Priscilla, this was all pre-pandemic. So I was learning about this and found this so alarming and the pandemic hadn't happened yet. And so I began trying to understand loneliness because I knew that as Gen Z, the youngest generation that's flooding the workforce will be the fastest growing over the next decade. How can we make sure that they're cultivating more connection at work? Because if not, we're in a world of trouble. And so I began studying all this, the pandemic hit, I brought all this research, finally, the market was ready to talk about loneliness and connection. And then that kind of accelerated our work, we ended up doing global research of over 2000 global workers on connection at work. Turns out all of us are experiencing accelerating disconnection at work. It's still most acute amongst Gen Z, the emerging generation, but it's a problem that we've got to address. And I think the key to more engaged, higher performing, healthier teams is connection. And that led us to ultimately to writing the book, which we've now been thrilled that we get to go in front of audiences. Like you did such a generous introduction to my speech there in Hilton Head. And I just love sharing this concept because it's so important. Well, it's so important, but to me, it was just so real. It's so immediate. It's so right now. And I'm telling you, I had two years from 2021 and 2022 was just hell with the idea and the issues we were having with employee connection. And listen, I'm so sold on the importance of culture in our company. And so it was so painful to me to experience those two years. And I'll just kind of give you a little bit of background. I'm sitting there listening to what you were saying in that speech. And it was just like, it was just bringing up so many painful moments. Like for example, I had several Gen Z people within those two years who basically approached me as like, 
I have to have a remote job like this is it's almost was like a it was a badge of honor that they could say it's like almost like our society was pushing them to say you're important if you win a remote position and you gain control and you get to be your own person and so they would work in order to get that kind of a position and literally one after one within 6 months they would leave saying I'm just so disconnected and I don't feel a part of the team and I like all these other kinds of things despite them really carving that position and that role and that maybe they would see as a privilege out, but they didn't see the long-term consequences of it. And despite trying to make it happen, and there's just so many things that employers are doing to try and bring that connection back, but it's not foolproof. So I was sitting there with just that pain. So I'm skipping ahead a little bit. I'm going to back up and unpack (laughs) a little bit about the book, but I just, that's real. That was so real what Mm -hmm. you were talking about to me. So it wasn't just, Hey, I have all this research and I can show you how and why and what to do about it. But it was just like, Oh, I'm here. So in your words, tell us a little bit about what you found. What is some specifics about the state of connection or really disconnection at work today? Thanks for sharing that. It is so true. And the crux of it here is as humans, we follow the path of least resistance. So we're going to choose convenience over connection every time if we're not intentional. Good example of this is the ATM. When the ATM was finally installed, no one went inside the bank ever again. I mean, of course, some people did, but it used to be a party inside that bank. People would go in there and they cash their paycheck and they connect and converse and they talk to the bank tellers and other customers. That ATM got installed and all that social connection went away. That's a simple example, but that's what's happening all the time. There's all kinds of modern ATMs that are slowly pulling us apart. And if we're not careful, we're going to constantly keep choosing these conveniences and our connections are going to be shot. And I'm convinced, and there's data and research to back it up, that connection is humanity's most significant need. It's not our most urgent need. It is our most significant need. And this is according to Harvard University's study of adult development. They studied over 2,000 people for over 80 years. It's still going on today. Definitive answer that they found to a long and healthy life is connection, quality connections with others. And it's messy, right? Relationships are complicated and messy, and that's why it's easy for us to avoid them. That's why it's easy to gravitate towards remote work. And so that's why I think this book has struck a chord and why I'm ringing the bell as hard as I can is to remind folks, do not underestimate it. Connection is not static. We are either moving away from others or we're moving closer. And we have to be intentional about going in either one of those directions. But the state, I, lo- I love our- what you're saying there. I just had dinner with um, some dear friends of mine in our community. And we have a very rich community where I live, like very rich. I'm very lucky, but I say lucky, but man, my husband and I have worked at it. And I love what you have to say about this intentionality. Like this doesn't just happen. And I do think that sometimes the younger generations kind of think that it just a really amazing work culture just like pops up, but it doesn't. There's so much work at it. And I am reminded even in my own community that you have to fight for unity. It's so easy Mm. to pull apart. You have to be willing to compromise. You have to be willing to forgive. You have to be willing to put Mm. really hard work in it. You have to be willing to go call on that neighbor when it's not convenient for you and all these kinds of things, which are great life lessons, but you're right. These things are happening and in our lives because of the nature of who we are as humans. We are so social. We are wired for connection and denying that has really done nothing to help anybody in their career. That's right. Yeah. And we have so many other things to distract us. And 
we call it social snacking. We're using <laughs> technology or social media just to snack enough to keep our loneliness levels at a manageable level. But that's no path to a rich life. That's no path to creating a bigger, better, stronger team or organization or community. So we've got to do better. And we've got to really think about those nourishing conversations that fuel our soul versus just social snacking and just trying to get through the day. Oh, I am never going to forget that comment you just made. I love that. That is such a great lens to see our actions through. Like, what am I doing here? What is my intention? Is my intention to just get in here and just get enough? Or is my intention to actually nourish myself and nourish someone else? That's so great. I want to back up just one second because I get to tell a funny story. So it's funny that you say the ATM kind of brought about this demise, right? <laughs> or it's a good, maybe a bellwether. It's, it's the cautionary tale. Or, but I work worked in through college as a teller. And let me tell you, it was busy. But what's even funnier, this is my claim to fame. I worked as a teller at Wells Fargo with Will Farrell. He and I were tellers no together. Yeah, this is crazy. So he was so funny. Of course, my roommate at the time, we all three worked together. My roommate was super funny too. We had such a good time. It was like such a social activity. But let me tell you, in California on Friday, there'd be such a massive long line. And it was like our regulars, like our cheers. <laughs> but I do remember <laughs> one time, Will actually cashing a check for someone. And literally as this guy was leaving his teller window in a super loud voice. So get ready for it. It's just kind of like super inappropriate as you would imagine. Thank you, Jesus. See you next Friday. Jesus, appreciate it. Thank you for doing work business here. <laughs> just like the amount of people named Jesus in California were just too funny. But this kind of connection, you would see the same person the next week, the next week, and just the kind of interaction, the possibility that happens, the serendipity and the spontaneity that is so lacking now in the workforce. So, with my shameless plug for my claim to fame, we can come back to what we're talking about. But I do think that those are some of the things that they're like tangible intangibles about what's going on at work. You mentioned this idea of how technology is kind of impacting us. And like I said, I'm never going to forget that snackable idea. What are we really hungry for? Are we hungry for deep connection, but yet we're grabbing a snack instead? Tell me a little bit about what you think a tool or a strategy is to get people to stop snacking or maybe even see that they are snacking and not really eating great connection food. Before we get too far, let's talk about this show's sponsor. As a business professional, mastering social media is no longer a nice to have set of skills, but a fundamental need in order to advance your career and exceed goals. A lot of people are interested in learning social selling techniques for revenue generation, network building, and maybe even to advance their thought leadership. But what is actually needed is a practical and repeatable system to digitally transform whole teams. Teams that commit to creating meaningful digital communities and learn how to leverage social media to turn relationships into sales online far outperform their competitors and companies that commit to investing in their teams to increase their personal social influence reap the benefit of increased brand awareness and positive upticks in company reputation. Social media is natural, it's cost-effective, and it's an easily leveraged tool at anyone's disposal. What is lacking is an effective and proven system that trains sales, marketing, HR, and executives alike to move from social selling to complete digital transformation and into digital dominance. 
Our 12-week social selling course is a practical, hands-on experience. It's taken over time specifically to address the needed mindset shifts, the changes in habits and behaviors, and all of this while implementing new skills. You will learn how to network effectively and at scale, build rapport with targeted audiences, expand your influence, and become the go-to authority in your area of expertise. So this is not a quick tips and tricks for LinkedIn success flash in the pan. It's a commitment to changing the way you show up online and experience career-shifting breakthroughs. This is expert instruction in small cohorts with personalized one-on-one coaching. If you're interested, go learn more at littlebirdmarketing.com slash social hyphen influence. Yeah, I mean, I should be clear too, you know, the enemy here isn't technology. It plays Mm -hmm. a role in connecting us, but here's the big distinction. Technology allows for communication, not necessarily connection. Let me unpack that. So communication is the exchanging of information. And as humans, we process it in that front part of our brain. So listeners can relate. If you've texted, I love you to a significant other, you can text them that all day. That's just communicating. It doesn't become connection until they hear your voice over the phone and the tone of your voice, or they don't, they see your body language or feel your embrace. That's what becomes connection. So connection is the the sensation of feeling seen and heard. And that's processed in the back part of our brain. So we're getting those two wildly misaligned because we think, Hey, because we're communicating via email and text or Slack or teams or social media, we feel like we're connected, but we're not, we're just communicating. Now that's still important. We should be using these wonderful tools to stay in communication with our team members and family members. They're powerful. They're useful. Let's not make the mistake that it's actually fueling our craving for connection. We have to go a step further and you can still use these tools to cultivate connection because loneliness is not the absence of people. It's the absence of connection. So you could be in a crowded room and still feel isolated and alone because you don't have connections with those people. So it's not just about putting yourself in a room full of people. We've got to be intentional about this. And conversely, you can work in a remote situation, but if you have a strong connection with someone else, that could keep you from feeling less isolated or lonely than that person in that crowded room. So the enemy here is a technology, but how I like to say it is communication is dealt, but connection is felt. Communication is dealt. Connection is felt. So the tool that you asked about, simply just asking yourself, where can I trade communication for connection? Instead of sending that email, can I pick up the phone? Instead of attending the Zoom meeting, can I make it an in-person meeting? Find those simple opportunities to create more connection because again, it's well worth it because everything, again, I'm convinced everything follows from connection, whether we want more engagement, loyal teams, better retention, connection, connection, connection. Oh, I love it. Let's take a look at it from two sides. Let's start really quick with the, not when say, maybe even responsibility, but also like even a sense of being compelled, like just really wanting to create a safe place and a connected place at work. Let's look at it from the role of the employer. And then let's look at it from the role of the employee. So let's start there. Like as an employer, what did you find in your research that is helpful to actually start implementing or keeping in mind, or how do you start the important conversations? Like, how do you get this buy-in? What you talk about this all in-ness, what can be done from that perspective? 
Yeah, I think so much of it's just awareness. So having the conversation, I was just reading a report yesterday. Deloitte does this massive report where they studied over 40,000 millennials and Gen Z. Of course, mental health is top of mind for this emerging generations. But the number one thing that Gen Z says helps with their mental health is meeting in person with friends. And yet that is not a strategy that any organizations are categorizing in the mental health category. So simply just having awareness around the conversation about connection, how important it is, and how it can help in the mental health phase of things as well. So awareness is a big, big thing. And I think the the kind of the bare minimum, the foundational thing to this whole thing is psychological safety, which is being more and more talked about, which is so great. And I'd love to tell the story, if I got time, about the chief engineer of the Golden Gate Bridge. He did something groundbreaking way back in the 1930s. His name was Joseph Strauss. and Building bridges back then was really, really dangerous, Priscilla, as you can imagine. And typically when a bridge was built for every $1 million, it equated to one death. And the Golden Gate Bridge was going to cost $30 million. Joseph was anticipating 30 deaths, but he said, hey, not on my watch. And so he actually installed a safety net underneath the bridge. Everyone thought he was crazy. It was going to be over budget. It was going to be too complicated. They just thought it was just silly. But he said, nope, my safety of my team is important. He did it. They came in under budget, accomplished it in time. In fact, they created the cables of the bridge four times faster than it was ever even thought possible. And oh, by the way, 19 people fell off during the construction safely, landed in the net, went back and kept working. So as you can imagine, in that psychologically, well, in this case, the physically saved, but make the bridge, if you can, to psychologically safe, people wanted to come work for him because they knew, hey, it was safe. I don't have to be focused on my safety. I can now be focused on the success of the project and big things started to happen from there. So that's a good kind of, I always like to use that story as a bridge, pun intended, Uh to psychological (laughs) safety and how important it is and the magic that can be created and ultimately the connection that can occur. So awareness and psychological safety are two things that employers should be thinking about. And another thing that's underlying in that story is some bravery because it's going against the grain. Like you have to stand up and do what you think is the right thing in a time when it's very acceptable to do the status quo. And I think for employers, that's also the message there is it it is uncomfortable also for us. I would say as a Gen X, it is a little bit difficult for me to broach these subjects with millennials and Gen Zs. It makes me uncomfortable. Like I never look mm-hmm. to my employers to be like, provide me psychological safety. I'm like, I just was looking for a paycheck. So it creates really difficult conversations, but we have to be willing to be brave and be called into a change. And no matter how uncomfortable you are as the employer, this is what we need as humans. Let me flip it over the other way. What is the responsibility and what are some thoughts and strategies for the employee in order to really come to work in a way that is going to benefit them in the long term? Yeah, I think you have to be aware that simple pro-social behaviors go a long way. And so there's really no other responsibility but your own. And what readers and our clients, perhaps the most resounding response and feedback we get is just this relief. Like they understand how significant it is. And then there's this relief of, gosh, it doesn't take that much to cultivate connection. For example, it takes as little as 40 seconds between exchange between two people to reduce feelings of isolation or loneliness. Wow! And it just takes one confidant at work. So one friend at work, you get the benefits of connection and boosted well-being, all those things with just one friend. So 
the last data point I'll share is that when we experience pro-social behavior, when you're on the receiving end of someone doing pro-social behavior, so that could be gratitude or kindness or anything that's you know pro-social, we are 278% more likely to then turn around and distribute that pro-social behavior to someone else. So there's a ripple effect here. So we're all in this together in these just small little behaviors that we can do every day. Not only is our own well-being going to be boosted, but there's a ton of a ripple effect that can happen, not only in our teams at work, but in our communities and with our, our families as well. Oh, I just love it. Okay. You've heard this here, but I'm telling you in my show notes, you'll see the link to ryan-jenkins.com. Go check out what he's done. He's actually been spreading this message. He's been on five continents, which I find super awesome in 30 different countries. And I'm telling you in person, it was amazing. But the book also breaks it down for you. And I think it is a great group read. If you want to really create this change in your team, everybody has to play their part. We can see that from the employer, from the employee side. But again, it's connectable, how leaders can move teams from isolated to all in. And he co-wrote this with Stephen Van Cohen. And But the actual presentation of it, it felt so personal in the moment. And it was so easy to get some quick takeaways, some patterns that I just couldn't unsee anymore. And just like what you said about that quick knackable thing, it's something that changes your mindset and gives you a couple of tools to just easily implement. You have to actually take action, but they're not these monumental tasks. And I think that's one of the really beautiful things I got out of what you did. So Ryan, what did I not ask you that you'd love to just impart to the audience and just imagine? Massive thank you for coming on and sharing this. I think it's such an important way we need to work and way we need to see work. No, thank you for having me. Such an important conversation. And the parting thing I'd say is the number one thing that disrupts you and I's connection with one another is busyness. According to our research, time constraints severely limit our willingness to engage with others. So I want to encourage everybody to be more interruptible be more interruptible. We're always, at least me, I know I'm always looking at my tasks, trying to accomplish, 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 push, 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 progress, progress, progress. But where do we need to be more interruptible where another human might need our attention? They might need our help. How can we pause what might be urgent for us and turn our attention to someone else? Because it's in those moments where we get boosted well-being, where that connection occurs. So be more interruptible. And if you find yourself in those moments being really frustrated when someone else is interrupting you, that's a really good indication that you probably need some more connection. And so be more interruptible and be wary of the busyness monster. Oh, I love it. Okay, go visit him at Ryan Jenkins. It's just R-Y-A-N-J-E-N-K-I-N-S.com. Check that out, but definitely get the book and send back a comment to me about what you found. What was the nugget you got from this? And what are you going to change? What are you going to do to reach out to someone and make that simple connection and become more connectable? So Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.